Bites, episode 95 of our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. Leon, guess what? Uh, you got a surprise? Yeah. Really? What, like what? what? What would it be? It's not, no. I already hyped it up too much. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You can't leave me hanging. I, I watched a TV program. That, that's like an occasion. <laughs> yeah. That's an actual occurrence. I, I, didn't, I don't have that much game time this week. I watched Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Have you heard of it? This is uh, a, f- a Netflix series, right? I believe. Yes. And it seems to have captured a lot of people's interest mm-hmm. lately. Yeah, I, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I don't know too much about it myself. Oh, you didn't watch it? No. Oh. Okay. No. So is this the part where I should leave the room? <laughs> no, I'm not going to really. I, I'm going to say like two things about it. Okay. Maybe three. Mm-hmm. And the title music is really cool. Mm-hmm. The show is set in like a 1980s, I think 1983 to be exact. Okay. Um, so they make some references to things of that time period where if you grew up during the 80s, like you did and I did, uh-huh. <laughs> I guess you would appreciate it. There, there's a scene, one or two scenes where they show an Atari 2600. Mm. There's another scene where they're in the school lab or something and you can see a Commodore pet. Like, on the side, which oh, yeah. I thought was kind of neat. I had those in my school lab, too. Yeah. It's a short series. It's like eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, stars a, a young cast, sort of like the Goonies, sort of. Okay. Thing. And uh, I, f- I felt like there was some uh, resemblances to, like, the Silent Hill movie. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the anime Elfin Lied. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Yeah, I feel like they borrowed some ideas, hmm. from, like because the character has like psychic powers and stuff. Okay. So it's cool. Um, there's some things like there's some anachronisms that were sort of weird, but I mean, like the average person's not going to say, "Oh, well, you know, they're they're listening to this song, but actually that song came out in 1989. And <laughs> this is supposed to be 83." Uh huh. But I mean, I guess you can like kind of really nitpick it apart but i thought the series was pretty well done i don't i don't like the i don't like the use of child actors too much like generally that's just a personal preference i don't i don't care for movies with kids as that's funny as the main cast okay this wasn't so offensive though i mean i felt like they did a good job but it's not my personal you know i I, i'd rather see adults personally Mm -hmm. (laughs) right yeah well that's funny because i that was one of the, like, one of the, uh, you know, I've been on this movie kick. Yeah. And I watched The Shining for the first time this week. Uh-huh. Finally watched, you know, one of the great... Finally Cooper, got around to it. Cooper yeah. classics. Finally got around to it. And that heavily features a, a child character. Right. And that's, character. that's another one of the movies, which I like, but it's that kind of reason. Although Jack Nicholson kind of steals the show in Sure. That. It is so. the Jack Nicholson show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you tune in. I think I think the show's a little overhyped, to be honest. Really? Uh, I, th- I thought it was good. It was very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if it was good as, like, I see everyone on my Facebook feed is making it out to me. Uh, I didn't like the fact that the kind of main character doesn't really talk at all. Mm. It sort of annoyed me a lot as I watched it. She mm. says, like, one-word sentences, kind of. So I didn't like that. And then the ending, I thought, was sort of a little lazy. I didn't like the ending. Do you think it's setting it up for more? Is that but they are doing a season two. I don't know how many characters are going to carry over, or mm. if even any at all. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I was a little disappointed with how it ended. Okay, well. Yeah, but I know you're a tough customer, though. I'm a tough customer, yeah. <laughs> I know. But I watched some other stuff this week, too. Did you know? You know what it was? 
Of I course you know, because I was watching you play No Man's Sky on the PS4. <laughs> you peeped in on my PlayStation. I peeped in. Well, I tested out the PS4 share play f- function. Yeah. Which I never tried before. So the way it works is if I see one of my friends playing a game, I can send you... And, and you have to tell me because I don't know how it looked on your end, but... Mm-hmm. I request to you or, or to my friend to play, like, to watch them play their game. Right. And then I guess you would have to accept that request. Right. Yeah, it was a little weird. I was trying to figure out what the what the correct way to respond to that request was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure if I should go into the share button or should I go to the main menu and then go to the notifications to accept it. Yeah, what exactly did it say? Did it say Stephanie wants to watch you? Yeah, it, g- it gave me the the same kind of messages. I probably have the log in my... If I look on my PlayStation app, it has like a list of all the the notifications that I've gotten. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, it kind of it happened very quickly, so I, I, I didn't really notice 100% what it, everything I did to accept it. But it seems like SharePlay, you have to allow the option for the other person to actually join your game or play your game, not just, like, view your game, not just participate in the um, uh, spectator aspect of it. Mm. But I think you have to sort of accept the option to let them even play the game also. If that game has share of play functionality, I guess? Because Uh, I don't think every game has that. Yeah, I don't really understand how all that hangs together. Yeah, I I actually looked into that because I wanted to see if I could like take over your game or something and right. it said like share like whatever the share play name is is not oh, I functional see. or something so instead. so in other words that's still but you can still use it to share the the gameplay like the actual viewing of the gameplay yeah yeah right because actually another option it gave me was do you want to do you want to share play with one person so just one person sees it or do you want to just oh, like broadcast okay. it to everyone because it gave me that like when you huh. sent me the request I think it gave me that option also. Like, broadcast to everyone, in which case it would just go to my streaming uh, option oh, of choice. Oh, right, right, okay. So, you might send a request, and then I could just, like, start my Twitch channel up and, and mm-hmm. send it on that. Right. So, that's another option. Did it affect your gameplay at all? Did it slow anything down, or...? No, I didn't okay. see any change in the okay. game. It looked completely the same. Yeah, me. it streamed pretty well, I gotta say. It looked good. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of times where maybe, like, it, that resolution dropped a bit, and it got a little, like, pixely, but not really much. I have, I have a decent connection here, so I don't know if that you, matters, but... You have, you have pretty good download speed, and I have a pretty decent upstream, also. I have, uh, I think my internet service gives me 35 megabit up, mm, upload. Good. Yeah. So that should be plenty for any kind of outbound streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think you also caught me at a, a moment where I wasn't doing anything that exciting okay. well I, I was in the middle of like a space battle right you did yeah that's sort of like, how uh-huh. I was like on a planet and then I was like gonna fly to another nearby planet but on the way to the other planet these space raiders decided to interrupt me yeah they were giving you warnings too they're like hostile territory hostile ter- and I'm thinking I'm watching you so I, we can't interact as I'm watching you so I'm, right. I'm just basically like watching a twitch feed and I'm thinking, like, no, don't... What are you doing? Why, why are you going into this area? It sounds dangerous. And right, because I was trying to get to the planet on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, it was they, they attacked me because I had gold on board. Oh. I was carrying gold, and they detected gold in my cargo hold. And they wanted to get that. But it's funny, because what happens is 
when you get blown up in the game, there isn't really much of a penalty, uh, except that all your inventory gets dumped where you got killed. And all you, you have to travel back to that spot to recover everything that you were carrying. And it shows up on the map and it says, like, uh, tomb or something like that. You know, it's like a little waypoint that you can yeah. use as an indicator to fly there. And I would think if they successfully blew me up, they would just take everything. <laughs> like, why wouldn't they just salvage the stuff that they were after? Right. But I think I had everything back. I don't you have to fly back to that location. You have though. to go back to that same spot. So, what's ha- so if, if oh, it's a tough spot, where you're going to die as soon as you get there? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get another warning. That it's happened to me a couple of times. And when it's like I, shovel night, right? Idea where you uh, die and like, leave your purse behind. A little bit, of. right? Right. Yeah, you got to do the corpse run. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like the threat clears up after you get killed. Mm. So I know it doesn't uh, totally make that. sense to me. Yeah. But I went back there with no trouble, and I was able to continue after that. So if you don't pick it up, then you start off, when you resurrect yourself, you would have no... You would lose all your gold and everything else? Yeah, you would lose whatever you were carrying. Okay. So anything that's on your ship. Mm. And I, I'm not sure about your personal inventory. I didn't check that part. But anything that was... Anything that's part of your, your ship, you still have okay. when you're resurrected. <laughs> So all your in-place upgrades are fine. It's just whatever's, you know, whatever loot you were carrying. That's pretty much what you had to get back. Yeah, I wasn't really watching. I was more like... It was partly because I did want to see a little bit more of the game. But yeah. also, I wanted to test out that... I never tested that whole share play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've broadcasted, but never, like, requesting to see someone else play. So I was curious how it worked out. One of the things I noticed is when I left your game. I don't know if it notified you that I left. Yeah, it did. Oh, it did, okay. Yeah. When I left, it actually downloaded the full game in the background on my PS4. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because now the the game shows up as an icon on my PlayStation, mm-hmm. but when I go to play it, it says, you don't own this game. Mm. So I, I can't see. do it. So that, I thought that was interesting, too. Oh, uh, interesting. And actually, I have the physical version of the game, so even if I was logged in with my account on your console, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could launch it because really, in my case, because I have the physical disc, I need to have that as, as that's like the security key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it was a digital download, then it would be, there wouldn't be that requirement. Uh, hey, we should try that. I got to test that out. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I did hear you laugh at one point when I got blown up. So I was able to hear you on really? your on your place on your because you have the PlayStation camera. I do, yeah. So I was I heard you laugh at one point. <laughs> I was laughing at your yeah at my demi- at my demise. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't have my camera hooked up, so good thing I didn't say anything worse. <laughs> you didn't know you were on camera, right? Yeah, I didn't know. There you have it. Wow, it's mm. good good info. Yeah, so that was a good portion of my week. I, I played this one game to follow up last week. We were talking about... I talked about that game I played, um, Antichamber. Right. So I was looking for something on, on mobile, like, similar to it. Because I played already a couple, like, this past year, like, Monument Valley and, you know, stuff like that. So I found this one that was free. It was called, um, on sale this week. It's called Hocus. And, uh, it's... Uh, I paid it... It was usually a dollar, but it was on sale. And uh, you can actually get it on PC also. I think mm-hmm. it's $2 on Steam. It's by this group called Game Brain. It's called actually Game Bra. 
in. There's like a dot between the A and the I for some reason. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I wonder if that means something. I I don't know. Well, their logo's a brain, but it's like game brat and hmm. I don't know. It's uh, came out this year. Uh-huh. And it's the reason why I'm bringing it up because it is a puzzle game and the puzzles are those impossible pieces kind of thing. Those like structures. That's what you like. I do. I like them. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting burned out by it a little bit now. I don't know. Um, yeah. So you got to navigate this little like red cube. It's a black and white game, but your cube is red, and you have to get to the exit. And you're on this like shape, and you have to just roll this cube across the shape. So yeah, it sounds easy, you know. Mm-hmm. But as you get more complicated shapes, you know, because it's it's the impossible like M C Escher kind of puzzles. You don't know which way is up and which way is left, and, you know, the way the the pieces overlap, when you roll your cube, you might think you're going on a straight line, and the next thing you know, your cube is now, like, on an intersecting platform, you know? It gets right. a little confusing. Um, it's super minimum, but, uh, like, graphics-wise, but, you know, the, the puzzles are pretty complex, I guess. There's about 85 levels, I think, now, and they just added a bunch level there's no in-app purchases or anything so that sounds like a lot you buy the full game yeah and not only that but there's also a level creator so you can make your own levels you want you can upload them and share them and there's also if you don't want to make your own levels there's also the user created section which is uh i don't know how many they're in there now maybe 200 or something mm-hmm. of people who've made levels and shared them and you can sort those those out, those out by like most popular and stuff. It's so amazing. So there's already that much content. Yeah, right. Well, I think it's you know I don't know when it came out this year, but it's definitely been out a few months. The only like the only problem I have so like you know I just said this so many levels like over a hundred with the user levels and stuff. I feel like after I'm like what thirty five levels and now I, I feel like I've played in almost everything there could be. Like I, I don't know like. Doesn't feel like there's much more to this game. You would ex- you, you were expecting to see something more beyond what you've already experienced. Maybe I, I think a lot of the problem is all these levels that I've beaten so far. I felt like I've beaten them by trial and error. Like I don't. I look. I start the level. I'm like, okay, I know where the exit is, and I try to get there, and I can't. And then usually I'll make a wrong turn somewhere, and I'll end up at the exit. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I beat this one. So you just kind of stumble into the solution. That's sort of how I felt like I've defeated every level so far. But there isn't really a fail state, right? It's not like you have to do it within a certain amount of time. There's no time limit, no. There's no reward for, you know, getting it in a certain time or mm-hmm. no extras. So, yeah, you have as long as you want, but there's certain puzzles where I spent, like, ten minutes, and then I felt like I don't know well, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm just keep going in circles. I think there are some other type of games like this that you have like a, a set number of moves that you can do, right? Like you, yeah. have, to, you have to solve it within like 15 moves, let's mm-hmm. say. Yeah, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting if they did that, yeah. It uses the swipe control, which, you know, typically is fine. I, I feel like it, it's a little laggy. I don't know why. It shouldn't be because there's nothing going on on the screen. But like sometimes I'll swipe and the, the cube will start moving. And then I'll swipe in a different direction and it like kind of either doesn't do it or it stops or something. So I'm not sure. Maybe that could just be me. Mm. There's also, when you reach a point where the cube can make a change in direction, like to go up or left, like a fork in the road sort of thing, there's like a little black dot on the top of the the screen, and the black dot will have arrows pointing you like what possible directions you can move to, Mm -hmm. which is helpful, so you know, 
sort of it speeds up your game a little bit. The problem is that Black Dot, like, flashes, and the flashing's really slow. So when you get to this intersection, like, you have to... If you don't look right away at the little dot to see where the arrows are pointing, you have to wait for the, the thing to flash and refresh again. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, it's maybe a, a second, but that one little second when you're t- approaching, like, all these turns really slows the game up a lot. So you would prefer that it just stays on all the time, maybe? Yeah, I don't know why it has to, like, flash in and out for. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. And another thing, when, you're, when your cube is rolling in one solid motion... Like across a long beam, the screen dims, it gets darker for no reason, mm-hmm. and then when you stop, it gets bright again. <laughs> you stop moving. I don't know why it does that, and it sort of like annoys me that it does that. There's no settings that you can. No, maybe it's just some kind of weird of visual things. effect that it looks like someone's playing with your brightness on mm-hmm. the screen. Okay, maybe so that's it's just weird stuff. It's nothing that like makes the game unplayable or anything. Just yeah. Maybe you got to take the game in smaller doses. Maybe you're just playing it too much. It could be. <laughs> That's possible. Because <laughs> I know how determined you are to finish it. Well, I wanted to try to finish it for... I, when I do these reviews, I like to complete the whole thing. But right. 35 levels in, I don't know if I'm going to do another 35. Mm-hmm. Never mind, like, what? I have to do 55 more, really, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's good, but I don't know if it's that great. Where right. I want to keep going But back it is to free it. right now, still? It was free as of a couple of days ago. I don't know if the sale ended this weekend, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And on Steam, it is not on sale, so okay. it's still two bucks there. What was it called again? Hocus. Oh, Hocus. Like right. Hocus Pocus? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What do you have? I decided to play a game that I've been thinking about, and you know how much I love submarine games. <laughs> I don't know why. You played in the hunt. I, I've played a few. I played in the hunt. I played Sea Dragon sea on my Dragon. on the old Atari computer. I can't get you to go in the pool. That you haven't done yet. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe one day. I need a, I need a submarine to go in. Submarine. With me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've talked about a few of these type of games, but this one's a little different. And this one I'm, that I'm going to discuss is called Sub Rebellion. This was a PlayStation Two title. Uh, developed by a company called Rakjin, which is a Japanese developer, supervised by Irem. So, in some sense, this is a spiritual successor to In the Hunt. In the Hunt, which and was a successor to Schoon. <laughs> Schoon. <laughs> Irem themselves have a history of, of submarine games. But, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know that it's really a spiritual successor of any kind, mm-hmm. because it's a totally different type of game. It's not... A side-scrolling shooter. This is more of a 3D um, underwater shooter action game. Uh, it's mission-based. It's not really like continuous uh, type of thing. But but I don't know. Maybe there's some inspiration. Maybe in the design of your actual submarine, it's kind of it's not really completely realistic. It's it's a sci-fi-ish inspired type of design. So it looks a little stubby. It looks a little kind of you know. It looks like it would be maybe related to one of those earlier submarines. But maybe that's about as far as the inspiration goes. Are there a lot of submarine games? Because, <laughs> I, I mean, if you would have told me this a year ago, uh-huh. name me, like, three submarine games, I don't think I would have been able to do well, it. Well, I would say it's it's like it's like a space shooter, in a sense, except uh-huh. it's underwater instead, and yeah, things how many, move a like, lot it slower. It seems pretty unique. Like, I don't know... I, I really can't tell you another... What's this another submarine game? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Especially... 
in the 3D environment. There might be a few more. There might be, but I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's definitely a subgenre. Ah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> Hardy har har. Pretty good. Well, I'll oh, tell you. how about um, what's that one that just came out and that you bought, the Song of the Deep, right? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Is that a submarine game? It is. Okay, it is. But that's more of a that's more of a side scroller. Would you count Echo the Dolphin as a submarine game? Um, I, I guess not really. Echo but needs air, right? It does need air. need air? Well, so he's. You get- He's I mean, a dolphin, so it's definitely but... not a sub, but I guess the yeah. mechanics, it plays a little okay. bit like it would. Okay. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> this game came back, came out back in October of 2002 in the U.S. and Europe. It was published by a uh, developer, well, actually a publisher called Metro 3D. And it was originally released in Japan in May of 2002, same year, just a few months earlier, by Irem themselves. In Japan, it had a different title. It was called U, Underwater Unit. U, no, not the letter U. Letter U. Letter U, okay. Letter U, like a U-boat, I guess. Okay. Underwater Unit. So, uh-huh. triple U. Three U's in a row. Hmm. Uh, so, in this game, you're sometime in, like, the 22nd century, it seems. A time when uh, there's been a lot of massive earthquakes in the world. It's produced uh, great floods. It's produced, like, uh, cities falling into the ocean. So the world looks a lot different as a result of of all this seismic activity. And uh, civilization has almost collapsed, and humanity has split up into two major factions. There's uh, the the military or the military industrial complex as the intro describes it has formed the empire and they they're basically the ones that have manufactured all the weapons in the world and they want to seize power for themselves whatever is left of the world Uh, and so they're the empire and everyone else is part of the alliance the alliance army and basically you know, the Alliance has been losing against the Empire, and they've got this new experimental submarine called the Kronos, and that's what the player controls. <laughs> and, you know, it's it looks it's kind of a cool-looking sub. It's got, like, twin rotors in the back that spin in opposite directions whenever you move. Are there cool-looking subs? Uh, I guess. And they're not cool-looking subs? <laughs> uh, some of the enemy subs in this one look kind of neat, too. Okay. I, I do like the look well, of How do you feel them. about the Beatles' yellow submarine? That that looks like it should be like an unlockable like submarine yeah. in like in the hunt or something. <laughs> you should be able to play as as that. That's a beloved submarine. Is there a famous submarine like in our like history? Um, like I know there's like famous warships and boats. Yeah, and I'm, stuff. Sh- I'm sure there is. Uh, I'm gonna say, well, this is a fictional submarine. How about the Nautilus from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea? Oh, very good. <laughs> I've heard of that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a well-known one, and I'd okay. say some of the enemy ships in this in this game look a bit like that design. Okay. Oh, all right. A little bit. Uh, so I'll, I'll describe the controls really quick. It's PS2 controller, so you've got the typical like dual analog arrangement. You've got left stick to control directions. You've got right stick to kind of free look around. You can kind of look around without moving your ship. I didn't really find a lot of use for that, but there it was. There's also an option to look behind you, which I also didn't think it was super useful to be able to do that. Uh, left shoulder button controls forward and reverse. 
right shoulder buttons control the ballast of the sub, which allows you to go up and down in the water. To, you know, to like lower your depth. So R one, R two. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. And basically, the D pad is not used at all. The other buttons on the face of the controller are: you've got X to do sonar, which sends out a sonar ping into the environment. It kind of creates this kind of wireframe look that that's overlaid over the the graphics. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's very kind of battle, battle zone like when it looks like that. Like when that ping is going out and everything's like lit up in wireframe. Do you almost wish that was the game in wireframe? <laughs> I, I could like see battle zone. I could see a mode for that style of the game. Yeah, I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the so there's this kind of a color code that occurs. So you can you can sort of pick out the different enemy types and the different objects that you're hitting. Um, so, so like the, the tougher the enemy is, it goes from like, uh, you know, like kind of green to yellow to red, like the more, the tougher enemies are red, obviously. And those, that color is indicated on the map? Like the uh, on, on no, the, the wireframe, the, the wireframe oh. that goes out. Oh, yeah. There is a little map in the corner, like a little, like, uh, sort of like a real time radar scope. Uh, you do see other features on there too you'll see you'll see like other subs or you might see torpedoes that they launch at you uh so that's you know all all combines to give you kind of an awareness of the environment um you can also switch between third person view behind the sub and first person view using the select button and you know certain things are more comfortable in third person versus first person uh just i found myself switching to first person more often just because in third person, I found the sub itself was kind of in the way of what I was trying to target. Like, I couldn't see through it. So, I just ended up sticking to first person a lot of times. Uh, you've also got a button to surface and dive, the circle button. When you're near the surface, you have to actually press that button to switch from below the waves to the surface. I thought the AR one and our left one all that does is raise and lower your sub uh-huh. but when you hit the top of the water uh-huh. you have to actually press that extra button to surface wow because <laughs> that actually switches to the you know to the surface view where okay. there might be other stuff happening on the surface uh the triangle button activates a special weapon which i'll tell you a little more about but the square button is your main firing button and that's, you know, fires your your basic weapon, which is usually some kind of gun. Or you hold it to lock on your torpedoes. When you're targeting uh, multiple targets, you can, you can lock torpedoes and then let loose a whole volley of them. Now, pressing start pauses the game and brings up the map in case you want to see what the level looks like. So it's a little complicated at first, but it gets a bit easier with time. The more you play it, you'll get more comfortable with it. Or at least I did. <laughs> uh, the sub loadout, in terms of the weapons that you can carry, is configurable. And you can buy new items in the shop back at your base. There's like a little shop that, you know, has new items occasionally. Wait, there's a shop? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, well, you have to be, you have to earn these new items. Mm-hmm. You can't just go and load up your, sh- your sub with whatever you want. <laughs> so you've got you to accumulate some cash. Uh... <laughs> There's, as far as your your automatic weapon, there's like a what's called a needle gun, and that's what usually the you know like it's basically an underwater machine gun. Mm. You can upgrade that to like a four way needle, which is a bit of a bit more of a spray. Uh, there's also uh, like uh, 
torpedoes, for example, your basic torpedoes, you can have like a four shot torpedo, which allows you to fire up to, four, you know, you can, you can preload up to four and then let them lose all at once. But there's upgrades for that too. Uh, other, what other types of guns include a wide cannon, a rapid cannon, which is better for like more concentrated shots or like a shotgun effect. If you want to create like a bigger spray. Uh, there's a lot of different types of torpedoes too. Like there's a frag torpedo, which explodes halfway to the target and then fires like these smaller, it's like a, it's like a swarm of, mm. of smaller torpedoes. Yeah. Uh, there's something called an ultra torpedo, which is more long range. And there's uh, something called a, a, a proximity torpedo, which when it blows up, it creates like a blast wave and can hit multiple targets nice. too. So that's pretty effective. And I found that one to be my favorite, <laughs> the proximity torpedo. Uh, you also do have some limited selection for surface weapons. So when you're on the surface of the water, you can, you've got a surface machine gun, which acts as sort of like an anti-aircraft gun. You can upgrade that to a Vulcan cannon, which is slower, but it's supposed to be stronger and has a longer range. And it's also like a missile launcher, which is like a torpedo, but in the air, it basically locks on to targets and fires. Um, there's also upgrades for the engines of the ship of the, of the, of the submarine. So you find better engine upgrades. Some, you know, some are better for fast maneuvering. Some are better for, you know, just speeding up quicker. There's also a shield option. (laughs) Now the shield is a little weird because actually there's a dry shield, which actually gives you better protection above the water. So if your mission is supposed to, if you know it's going to take place above the water, you can, you can you can equip the dry shield, and your your damage will then be halved when you get hit on the surface. There's something called a square shield, which actually reduces the stress of water pressure by half. And is even do you have some, to worry about water pressure. You do have to worry about water pressure. Wow. Uh, depending so you just on how, don't get too, don't go too deep. Don't go too deep. There's certain huh. there's certain levels where you're deep. And that actually causes stress on your ship's hull. Wow. And you actually hear it. Your ship starts to creak. And you, you, the, the vision starts to get a little wavy. And you can, you can kind of rise out of it. If you, if you um, lift your, your ship up above the safe limit, then you're, then you're okay. But if you stay down at that, that deeper depth, you'll take a little bit of damage. So the heck the uh the square shield is supposed to help against that so you only give you only take half damage when that happens there's something else called the hexagonal shield <laughs> it's said to resemble organic skin that's the description but i don't know what it actually does like in terms of the effect it doesn't really describe it more beyond that mm-hmm. now a little more about the special weapons you can carry now these are limited use items torpedoes and the needle gun those are kind of unlimited when you fire torpedoes, you sort of have to wait for them to regenerate, and then you got a new. Then you have a new load of torpedoes. But the special weapon, you only have a certain amount that you start the mission with. So the first one you get is called a decoy, and that's basically, obviously, a decoy sub that you can send out, and the enemy will be attracted to attack that instead of uh, my own sub. I start with two. I can carry up to six. I have to buy more of them in the shop if I want to equip those. Uh, and, you know, they don't reset after the mission is over. So if I use a certain amount on the mission, when I get back to the shop, I have to buy more if I want to have more for the next mission. And they can only go to the shop in between levels? Right. Mm. Yeah, there's no option to re- reload or resupply mm-hmm. during the mission. Um, other special items include mines that I can leave behind. 
something called a sound torpedo, which cripples enemies, kind of temporarily disables them. Uh, something called a ring blaster, which just sends out like this ring of, mm, of laser good. light. <laughs> yeah. Another item is called a cavity boost. <laughs> and that's the fruit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one surrounds the ship with high speed bubbles that tosses enemies around. Mm. So basically it creates like a blast of bubbles around the ship and it will knock enemies away. I, don't, I, I didn't really use that one too much. But the best one, the one that sounds like a really good idea, is called Nuclear Bomb. <laughs> and once I got that one, I definitely equipped that one as much as possible. Because that's what you want to detonate right in front of you when you shoot something. You never know. You just never know. <laughs> so there's no, like, uh, like stealth thing where, like, you release ink or something? And, that would make like, some that sense. Kind of, yeah, like... Uh, that wasn't sort of, an option? Like a smokescreen kind of thing underwater? No, nothing like that. Huh. Yeah, that would be that would have been interesting. Well, there is a paint option as well in the shop, mm. and those seem to just be decorative, though. Like you start with what's just called regular paint, right? But one of the next ones you find is called camouflage paint, right? But it, they do tell you that it doesn't seem to be very useful due to the use of sonar. That's right. <laughs> so what I good is it so. to disguise your the appearance of your ship because yeah. everybody fights with sonar anyway? So why don't we have sonar above water? Because uh, I guess there's no medium to carry through the air. It's like too thin. Uh-huh. We have radar instead. But don't bats use sonar? They use sonar for navigation. Mm. They don't use it for hiding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's one thing called... Uh, there's another coat of paint called the Promethea Diamond. And this is a special golden paint job that's based on ancient war vehicles. It uh, doesn't say much more beyond that. The final one that I found was called biocoding. So you got all these things? You tested them out? These are the ones that I found. And I, I see that there's squares missing for other ones. So I don't know that I, I don't know what the conditions are to find those. But uh, this biocoding is described as a plasma barrier that makes the ship look like a marine mammal. And I did equip that one. And basically, it <laughs> looks makes my sub look like all scaly. Ah. It's like a, like, a, like, like a fish almost. Mm. Uh, some of the other interesting things you could find in this game, though, are, are treasure. You can find hairy, you know, like buried treasure, and it's uh, these are relics from an ancient civilization that have been uncovered as a result of all the earthquakes that have occurred. So you can find items of different rarity from the ancient civilization called Promethea. You, you learn that this is what it's called. And uh, that's what the Promethea Diamond coating that I referred to before was from. The treasures show up on the sonar as like a purple object. And when I get near it, I usually have to shoot. It's usually buried in, in the rocks or on the bottom of the ocean or in some kind of structure. And I have to shoot it to kind of reveal the mysterious object, which um, you know can be a number of different things. You also do find shield recharges the same way. So, you know, the ship has a shield, basically the amount of health that the sub has. And I do find shield recharges. So that's one thing that I can replenish along the way. But those those are a limited amount of those around. Fuel is not an issue? Fuel is not an issue. Okay. I don't have to worry about that. But in terms of these treasures, the kind of things that I find... They could be minerals, they could be sculptures from the civilization, they could be jewelry. Some of them are more exotic items. 
and each one that I discover is added to this directory that I have that I can then look at in more detail later on. Um, they have a more, uh, you know, in-depth description. Another another depth joke. See there. Mm. <laughs> Uh, it gives you more backstory, basically, on this civilization that you're trying to find out about. <laughs> uh, I'll give you some a description of some of the more bizarre items that I found. So there's one thing called ancient food. And this is a rarity of cheap, meaning it's very common. It's described as resembling present-day canned food. It's unopened, but x-rays have examine the contents and shown that the food inside is fresh chicken. Fresh chicken in a can. In a can. Okay. From an ancient civilization that's found at the bottom of the ocean. Sounds good. <laughs> you would eat that, right? If you're hungry, like, where else are you going to get food, right? X-rays say it's fresh chicken, so... I believe X-rays. It's probably edible. Mm-hmm. Uh, another item is called the Stone Man Sculpture. And this is also considered cheap rarity. It's described as a child's carving of a man with no bones. It resembles the Moai statue on Easter Island, except this figure has more vitality. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Uh, Another item is called Robot Dragonfly. Now, this one is rare. Mm. This one's more rare. It is a state-of-the-art robot that is shaped like a dragonfly, and it was an independent robot that could think for itself, but it does not work. And finally... So what are these, just points? These are just things that you find. <laughs> why do they go through the effort of naming all these things? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Basically, uh, I think the percentage of the treasure that you find is you, in the different zones is used to kind of discover the new weapons that you can equip your ship with. So, like, let's say I, get, I find 20% of the treasure in a particular zone, then that unlocks, like, a certain item that I can then use. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a research item that you can use to, to unlock better technology. The super rare one that I found was called the Unicorn Skull. And this one says it's bones f- from the neck up of the unicorn. And even in ancient times, there were not many unicorns. So they were treasured animals, according according to this. underwater. Underwater, well, because everything drowned. I'm and... assuming that this that this civilization was not always underwater; that it mm-hmm. was it, it it was sunk and collapsed into the sea at some point. Atlantis, right? Very okay. likely Atlant- okay. Atlantis, like definitely. <laughs> uh, so overall, you do have the the game is structured as a series of missions. There's 21 missions in all. I'm not going to get into obviously the details of all these things, but I'll give you an idea of what what goes on here. Uh, These missions are spread across multiple zones on the map in different areas uh, called Old Town or Caves or Ruins, uh, Deep Sea, and Southern and Northern areas. And there's actually an additional unique area just for the final mission in the game where the, the story wraps up. Through the course of these missions, the story of the game, which centers around the conflict between these two factions between the empire and the alliance kind of is un, is told through the you know through your actions but also the mystery of the of promethea is is unfolded so you get a little more backstory on this ancient civilization that's also found now the missions can be in the open ocean they can be in sunken cities uh, ancient ruins sometimes in caves um like I said, some missions have a surface portion with, with land and air targets that you can also hit. 
Um, but there might be um, underwater areas on the map that you can't reach unless you surface and then go over like a wall and then you can sink back down to find like more stuff. Usually there's like extra treasure there or something like that. Um, mission objectives include things like destroying enemy military targets or, you know, locate allied subs that have been stranded or have sensitive information to, to, you know, relay to me that can't be broadcast or something like that. Um, or, you know, investigate and recover some ancient object before the enemy gets to it. Things like that. Uh, some areas, like we said, have like the water pressure, but it's not everywhere. Like only like the lower areas really have to worry about that. Um, now there are some missions that are really extra challenging compared to some of the more run of the mill ones. And I'll, I'll give you an idea of some of those. Um, one of them involves pursuing an enemy spy ship through a cave network back to its base. And I have to keep up with the sub and it's running past other enemies uh if it gets too far ahead it kind of mission almost over like an escort mission it's like the opposite of an escort mission yeah, it's, it's a, a mission. it's a chase mission but don't be noticed by the sub that you're hmm. that you're chasing uh but also you have to worry about other enemies as well i thought it was kind of a fun mission actually but the problem was i barely killed anything along the way because i had to worry about keeping up with this sub and I couldn't pick up any of the treasures along the way because I would see like a lot of purple glowing stuff. But if I stopped to collect any of it, he was probably going to get too far ahead. Uh, so that would mean mission failure. So basically, I didn't feel like backtracking all the way through all these caves to pick up all these items. Like basically what you could do is you can get to the end. There's a big fight at the end of that one. And just don't finish that fight. Leave the cavern and go back and pick up everything you pass by. But I didn't really feel like doing that, so I, I kind of skipped that one. Uh, there is an actual escort mission <laughs> in one of them. In one of the missions that you mm. have to do, uh, basically, you have to escort a survey team to, like, you know, pick up some ancient relics. Uh, there's a statue of like this Promethean go- goddess that was buried in the sea, and I also did not pick up any treasure on that one, so I was pretty annoyed with that mission too. I barely finished that one. There were three subs. Two of them got destroyed. And mm. I barely got the last one to the to the end of the mission. Do you ever see people like scuba gear, like diving around? You don't see any other, like, human figures mm. in there. You don't see any... You, you see some marine life, but it's just background graphics. It's not... You don't interact with any kind of, like, it's giant like, squids or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, schools of fish. Really nothing... Right. It's that kind of thing. Well, it was PS2, right? So they probably were limited on what they could do. They didn't have a, I guess they didn't have a lot of like visual flair. It, could... it looked like it had a little bit of that water effect, though, as you play. Like that yeah. waviness. Yeah, definitely. It, it did have a good kind of feeling that you were definitely underwater. Yeah, it didn't just look like... Because, I mean, you really you could... What's the difference between this and a game in the sky? Right. Other than the fact that you move at half the speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. That's that's definitely the case. It's like, oh, this game... I, I can't tell if the game's slowing down or it's just the nature of fighting underwater. Yeah, no, definitely it's... Um, it, it, I, I didn't see the performance dip at all. I thought, I thought it was pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if it is be, uh, because of performance issues, they kept it at that level for, for the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't vary at all. Uh so at the end of every mission, though, you do get a little summary of how you did, the statistics of how many ships you destroyed, and what percentage of ships you destroyed, and you also get a letter rank 
right? So the best I got was an S, which is like the letter, the rank exactly. above A. It's better than oh, A. It's better than A. Yeah. So it's like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, and then like S is above A. That's like super rank or something. Super. But some games it stands for satisfactory, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I think no. the ones that rank you S, that's like, I think that's a Japanese thing. Okay, I think they, maybe. I, I think they rank it as S. It seems to be in a lot of Japanese games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worst was E. That's the worst rank I got. I don't. I don't know if there was an F. I think F would indicate for? failure. Ernie, <laughs> if you want, I oh, guess. I'm they don't tell you. Uh, I think rank is calculated based on how long it took to clear the mission, how many enemies were destroyed, like the percentage, um, how much shield I had left. I got a bonus for that too, and how much treasure I found. And I also get money awarded for the treasure, which I can then spend in the shop. There's there's also a base amount of money that you get just for finishing the mission. Can you repeat the mission if you want? Like if you, you can like go back. Out. Yeah, actually, if you bring up the world map, you can repeat a mission mm-hmm. and maybe find treasure that you didn't find the first time around, or something like that, or get a better score. You know, whatever whatever you feel like doing. There, as far as the enemies in the game, it is all mostly enemy submarines. There's, like I said, there's no like. No fish robots? Uh, no. No appearances by the Darius crew? Or <laughs> That's a anything? different publisher. That's Taito. So they were not consulted they on this. They could crossover. They could. They could. But they were not involved in this. Uh, most of the subs range from small to large and from easy to difficult. Like some of them just patrol in a circle and you can shoot them very easily. Some of them are very difficult. Some of them are a lot smarter than others and will evade torpedoes and... You know, have like heavier armor. So, so there's a whole range of, of uh, enemies to fight. There's one interesting type called a salvage sub, which has a drill bit on the front of it. And that one actually tries to ram into me directly. Uh, but, you know, I got to blow them up or dodge them <laughs> as fast as I can. Which is very not fast at all on the water. <laughs> it's not so fast, but luckily. I saw it like in your turn. It's like really slow. Turning is really painful. I, I found that to be one of the slowest parts of the game, but I don't just sit in place. Usually I'm like maneuvering or trying to line up the next shot while I'm turning. Uh, so I'm like either backing up or rising or falling, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, there are a lot of boss encounters in the game too. So boss encounters usually trigger at the end of the mission. Like whenever you complete your main objective, whatever they tell you to do, usually some kind of big boss will emerge as a result of you you know, completing that action. Um, and these bosses are usually very large ships. Usually they have several gun turrets on them, which, you know, the weak spot is highlighted. It says target <laughs> with like a, with like an arrow pointing at it. So it tells you what you want, what you need to blow up. And usually when you do that, then the main weak spot is, is then revealed, uh, on, on the ship. Um, and so the Empire type of enemy bosses have included like this large destroyer, which has like a heavily armored hull. So you can't just torpedo it repeatedly. You have to surface and fight it on the surface. And uh, the only way to take it down is to fire on the bridge. So you have to d- disable all the cannons on it, and that will allow you to attack the bridge on the ship. Uh, there's another mission where it's a large submersible battleship, which is really just a large submarine. <laughs> There's multiple gun turrets on that and uh, torpedo banks that need to be destroyed. Um, it'll once you do that, it'll op- it opens up the, the nose of the ship opens up and it's like a whole salvo of of torpedoes that go out. Uh, so that has to be destroyed as well to kind of finish that fight. 
There's another interesting mission where there's like a large flying boat that has to be destroyed before it reaches the end of the stage. So the boat, the boat has launched and now it's like airborne. It's a cool boat. So it can go underwater. <laughs> right. It can go on top of water and then it goes to fly. Yeah, sure. It just can't go on land. Um, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> um, this one has a ton of, uh, you know, cannons on the wings and you have to blow all of those off. And once you do that, the, the rear of the boat opens up and it's like dropping mines on the, you know, on the ocean surface while you're trying to chase after it. This was a little bit of a tough mission. I basically had to keep up with the, with the flight of the boat and then shoot off all its cannons. And then there's ice flows in the way on the surface. So it's not like a straight shot. Um, some of those you can destroy with your, with your cannon. So to make way to be able to keep up with it. But there was there were patches of ice that you actually had to dive, go under the ice, and then reemerge to continue shooting at the ship. Um, and you know, obviously, if it reaches the end of the level, then you kind of lose and you have to repeat the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So there was like a fail oh. state on that one. Uh, there's also a special boss that shows up, and he sort of becomes the nemesis, my main nemesis in the game. He makes repeated appearances. He shows up on multiple levels whenever something uh, occurs. And he's called the Hammerhead. He's got a custom submarine. Was he kind of like, was his name Jaguar from Space Channel 5 or something? Was that guy's name? Who would show up every so often? He was like your nemesis? Uh, I would sound something similar yeah, to that. Yeah, they always play like that theme music when he would show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he shows up a few times to kind of interfere with the conclusion of a mission. Like, um, you know, he also ties into the finale of the game in some way. Uh-huh. I won't say more than that. I gotta say, I was kind of impressed by the the bosses. They're they're pretty meaty boss battles uh-huh. compared to like the rest of the game. Yeah, it's definitely a, a bit of a, a difficulty spike compared to the, the usual action in the game. And, and they did. There's a lot of detail on some of the. I mean, some of the bosses you described were like more traditional ships, right? But uh, I don't know if you were going to talk about any of them. But some of the bosses are like not. Or just more like mythical sort of. Well, so sure. So so those are some of the more interesting bosses yeah. that you get to, which turn out to be Promethean guardians, uh-huh. and these are uh, left behind by by this ancient civilization to sort of prevent you know humans from learning more about the the technology. Uh, so in in one of the, the first one that I run into was this large underwater statue called the Guardian of Yore. And he was a giant, you know, looking like he looked like he was pieced together from like bronze and rock and, you know, looked very kind of, uh, you know, otherworldly technology mixed with like a sort of an ancient feeling to it. Mm -hmm. And he had two weak spots in his armor that you had to hit. And when damaged enough, he kind of falls to his knees and a weak spot is presented in his mouth for some reason some kind of other... regurgitates yeah it, it seems like it it seems like something rises up to his up through you know through his throat and is like in his mouth and you have to hit it a few times to, to weaken him some more but occasionally he attacks and he'll kind of like swing out with his fists and he releases like stone missiles out of his fist to like try to hit me or sometimes he'll punch he'll crouch down and punch the ocean floor and it creates like a shock wave in the water and that I have to like kind of rise up to get away from it before it hits me. Um, that was one particular guardian. Another guardian was found later on, which was more, more Sphinx like, right? It was a little more cat like. Um, 
you know, the mission starts off with like this enemy excavation team trying to, you know, surrounding the the statue, but then the statue comes to life when it destroy all of them. And this guardian is weird. This one is a little more annoying. It kind of jumps up to the surface and it kind of skates on the surface of the water. And um, it's a lot more maneuverable than the other one. But is this thing gigantic? It's enormous. It's yeah. huge. And it's really tough. Just, it just glides. It just kind of like effortlessly, yeah. <laughs> you know, like rolls along. Um, I have a lot more, I have a lot less maneuverability because I'm on the surface now. I don't have the ability to kind of dive and like, you know, kind of dodge it. My, my mobility is now limited to just the surface. I could, I could dive below the water, but it doesn't really help. I mean, it helps me get away from a torpedo or something. But... This one's a lot harder. It has now. This one has four weak spots that have to be hit on both sides of its body, and meanwhile, it's skating around like a maniac. <laughs> and then it reveals like a weak spot on its chest when you hit all four of those spots for a short time that you can hit, and you have to hit it at least, I would say, at least four times to finish it off. Hmm. Um, it also has like a weird like laser light that it can fire from the tip of its tail. And it also shoots out these stone missiles. And the missiles will even glide around on the surface. Even if they don't hit me initially, they'll, like, spin around on the surface trying to trying to slam into me. Until they finally time out. Uh, this one almost felt like, compared to the rest of the game, this felt like, like Monster Hunter or something, you know? Like, where I'm, like, fighting this giant beast. And I'm just yeah, trying to... gigantic. Trying to, you know, figure out, like, how do I best beat this thing? Those big boss fights reminds me a little of the Shadow of the Colossus mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, it has that vibe to them, you know. Where like, you have, like, the certain weak spots and they, it tells you to target them. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, so there's a lot of variety in this game. Uh, I don't really... Um, I, I guess I shouldn't reveal what happens at the end of it. But basically it ties into the, the ancient civilization in some way. And um, overall, I'm going to say uh, the missions took a lot longer than I expected because I'm hunting for all this treasure constantly. Mm. Like, I think if I wasn't doing that, I could knock them out a lot quicker. But it added a lot more time being able to, you know, trying to find all these extra things. Because what will happen is you might have treasure on the map, but if you kind of succeed in your mission, the mission ends. So you have to sort of consciously not do the objectives in order to find all the little secret things. But I, I, do, I did like looking for these things, so I didn't mind that so much. Um, but the one thing the game does do is it tells you no more relics buried here when you've gotten them all. Like if you've well, discovered that's good. That's good. everything that there is to find on the level, it'll just basically tell you, like, you're done. <laughs> Don't waste your time. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, the music in the game... It's got that weird sort of jazzy drum and bass style that was popular with a lot of Japanese games of that era. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand. That music does not fit in uh-huh. with that game at all. The, I mean, I didn't, I didn't play through it, obviously, but the scenes that I was looking on YouTube. Mm-hmm. No, it's like that real generic like techno-y music from 1990-something, whatever that was. Or yeah. Like 2002, maybe. Uh-huh. And I don't know, it just didn't flow the, like the boss battles that make sense with that music, I don't know. Yeah, well, they tried they tried mixing it up a little bit. Some of them were more ambient, but yeah, overall, I just found it like a little strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I do I do think that Hammerhead boss though had his own cool like yeah. theme. He had like almost like a surf rock theme to to him when he mm-hmm. showed up. You know, but you can tell there's a even though it's, I mean, you can feel that there's definitely like that Japanese vibe to mm-hmm. this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
uh, I mean, there are some voices scattered throughout the game, and usually it's like the enemy subcommanders that kind of comment on my movement. So they sort of confirm for me that they've spotted me when they hear. Whenever I hear them talk, I know that they're they're alerted to my presence. Basically, um, their English is actually pretty good. The only giveaway that it wasn't original English, I think, and that it was actually dubbed in Japan, is when they say "ready to launch." <laughs> Lounge instead of launch. Instead of launch, they pronounce it lounge. <laughs> so to me, that was that was the clue. Um, so like I said, I like the treasure hunting aspect of the game. I liked all the sub battle stuff, but one thing I didn't like so much was the the weird difficulty with the boss encounters. I thought it was like a little like some of them really came down to one percent. I was done with the mission. It actually said my shield level was one percent. Wow! <laughs> so I barely made it out. Um, I think actually the, because the, the turning capability of the sub was so slow, I really think a strafing ability would have helped a lot. So that was one thing that the ship couldn't move. It could not move side to side. Oh, wow. So you could turn, you've got, you've got, uh, you know, go up and down movement. Mm -hmm. You've got forward and back. You you can turn left and right, but you can't strafe side to side. And I found that to be a little, a little lacking. Yeah. So that was really my only What did you think of the graphics? I thought they were adequate. Yeah? For the time, I thought it was... You know, for a PS2 game, I thought it looked pretty good. Mm. Um, You know, I kind of liked the style. I thought it fit the game. Yeah. At least what it was trying to get across. You didn't think it was too dark or muddy looking or anything? Um, I mean, it is on the water, so... Yeah, not unless it was really intentional. Like, it was part of the design, I felt like, to, to look like that in some spots. Um... So I checked on eBay just to see what this game sells for, and it's pretty cheap. There's really no trouble getting this game if you're interested in it. Complete copies were sold between seven and eleven dollars. So maybe the price will go up after you've just wet everyone's appetite for <laughs> a new submarine game. I don't think I have that kind of pull, but uh, at least you're you're on board with that, right? <laughs> with that concept. Yeah, so I thought it was all right. I thought it was uh, kind of enjoyable, but again, I took I think it took a lot longer than I expected to. I think it took about twelve hours for me to beat the game, which, based on other estimates, was uh, pretty long. Time. Pretty long. Yeah. Only because I was looking, I was looking for all the secrets. I was looking for all the treasure. Gotta get those treasures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y- your loot. Otherwise, you don't unlock the better weapons. If you don't, if you don't pick that stuff up, uh-huh. you don't, you don't get some of the better gear. So. Yeah. So it's really the key to everything. Well, this was one game I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you introduced it to me. <laughs> I, I now know that I could probably pass on this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll have the patience to sit through those. Yeah. It's the, pretty... the, act, the boss battles looked all right, but the regular action sequence did not look like something I would like. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is like, uh, if you like, like kind of slow exploration of an underwater environment, I think <laughs> yeah, great. that's, that's, that's the, that's the tagline for this game. <laughs> Should have been on the box. Well, at least you don't have to worry about oxygen. Right. Uh, there was only one mission actually, where it actually said oh, your, right. your water, your air supply is running low when you're in like these deep caves, mm-hmm. but the rest of the game doesn't, doesn't seem to have a problem with, with air. So I don't know why it was different for that one mission. Mm. But there you go. So rebellion. <laughs> Join the sub rebellion. Well, how about we talk about some pickups that we might have gotten? What do you think? I'll start off saying that I picked up more socks this week. 
<laughs> more more Cubert socks? I did. I, I bought two more pair. Mm-hmm. And they were a quarter each, you know, 50 cents. So I figured, why not? Right. So I didn't actually wear them until yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think that... So they're kid socks, which normally I have no problem wearing. Like, I prefer kid socks because they kind of fit a little bit lower on my ankle and stuff. Yeah. And normally it's totally not a problem. For some reason, these don't have, like, any stretch to them at all. I think because there's so much graphics on it and there's a lot of threading underneath the sock. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't know, like, my socks. Is that quality? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it leads to, like, there being no, like, elastic to these things. So, like, right now, I think if I took my sock off, my foot would probably be blue because I feel like <laughs> it's just squeezing my ankle and like around the sole area. That doesn't sound very uncomfortable. That doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are kid socks. Right. Yeah. But usually they're stretched to socks. Mm-hmm. Like that's not an issue. You didn't, you so, didn't like wash them first, did you? I did not even wash them yet. So I'm thinking they might even shrink. They might shrink bit. even more, right? <laughs> So these uh, might become unwearable. What about like fabric softener? You think that would help? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't know. I already tore one of the, <laughs> the pairs. Oh, <laughs> great. Putting them on because there was no stretch and I had to get them like on my ankle. So you're, you're ruining a rare collectible. My thumb, my thumb <laughs> went through Hubert's nose. <laughs> oh, no. So you can't really see it though. When they're on me, you don't see it. But if you, if you try to stretch the sock like with your hand, you'll see that... There's now, like, a little bit of a tear mm-hmm. in the threading. It's <laughs> uh, too bad. So, yeah. So, I, 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 may, I might just leave these as novelty socks that I'll wear, like, to a gaming convention or something. Uh-huh. One time. <laughs> yeah. These aren't everyday socks. These are single-use items. No. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I picked up something else, too. Oh, really? I didn't... I, this is a toy, because that's what I need more in my life. Toys, uh-huh. right? <laughs> it's a tablet. A tablet, you say? A tablet that transforms into a robot. Oh, all right. Well, that's different. It's different. It's marketed. It's marketed under the Transformers official Transformers label. Mm-hmm. This guy is called Soundwave. Right. It's, or or Evolution Soundwave, as the website really? okay. says. I didn't know that. I'm feigning ignorance here because I'm I, I got one of these for myself too. But please go on. <laughs> so this was a Comic Con 2016 exclusive. San, San Diego Comic. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Right. So they had some leftovers. They sold them on the Hasbro website. Mm-hmm. I was able to pick them. They sold out pretty fast. I think within five minutes. So I was lucky. And you alerted me. You sent me a. a a uh, text yeah so that they were going on sale so because i signed up for the hasbro alerts right that says because they had the product pages up early and if you went to the product page it's sold out but it says we'll notify you when these are in stock so i says sure yeah definitely mm-hmm. so they went on sale and you sent me a text you're like hurry up you know go online order this thing so i did that and i ended up not getting the text from for the email from Hasbro until like a week later. <laughs> Great. They said, I, I forgot this email it ended up in my junk folder, no less. And it says, Hey, we just want to let you know that this item is on sale. And of course you go to the, the page and it's sold out because it was sold out a week ago. So. Sure. So yeah. So this thing finally showed up and, uh, I didn't open it, but uh, I've seen videos online and it's based on the character Soundwave. It is a eight inch looking, Android tablet mm-hmm. that turns into this robot. 
is pretty amazing that they're able to do this. Yeah. I, 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 I look, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I look at this thing and it, you know, in it's, in it's, uh, sort of disguised form, it looks like a flat tablet and somehow it unfolds into this, you know, robot figure. Yeah, and you can see all the little like markings where the, the, the joints bend and stuff. Yeah, of course. It's not like a flat, but sure. it's, it's from afar. It looks pretty convincing. <laughs> It's just amazing to me that they can take any shape and and basically have uh, a robot that can come out of it. Yeah. I wonder if there's some kind of, like, I I mean, obviously they made these things back when technology was not at where it's at now, but you got to wonder, like, was there any, like, there's got to be some magic program where you can feed it an object and it I can, don't know. It's, and it can, it can spit out a robot design for it. The engineering to me is like amazing on some of these modern transformers. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to this, because to be able to become this flat surface that turns into this, like, really pretty detailed robot with, you know, it's not just like a flat, like in the old days, like it was a GoBot, you know, you flip like two edges and yeah, the right. head flips over and that's it. It's a really dumb looking <laughs> character. But uh-huh. these things are super complex and I can't imagine if someone told me to make one of these things and I have a paper and pen in front of me, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, how do you mm-hmm. engineer this? Right. So I don't know. Maybe there is some software that helps, but yeah, it's it, it, I'm looking at the robot form. It doesn't actually look like Soundwave as we know him. Like it doesn't really reflect the Soundwave look of the character. There's a reason for that, though. Okay. This this was started out as a promotion for I think Huawei, Huawei, whatever that company's uh-huh. called. That the Chinese company who right. makes and they made this robot tablet, and that was going to be like sort of promotion for their tablet line. Mm-hmm. And then Hasbro saw it and saw an opportunity to make some money. So they said, hey, can we license this product yeah. for you? And we're also going to sell it in America under, the, under Soundwave. We'll call it Soundwave. Yeah. Just because cause Soundwave originally was like a cassette player. But then to make it more modern, they're, they're using it as like a tablet, tablet now. Yeah. So that's kind of the connection, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, all right. It actually has a headphone jack mm-hmm. that's to scale where you can put headphones into it. Right. It won't work, of course. Obviously. But it's made like to that. That's how authentic it is. They it could have actually, embedded a chip, I guess. I guess they could have, but that just would have added cost. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have used it. That would have been a waste. This one was uh, on the site for thirty nine ninety nine, mm. which I thought was okay actually for something like this. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more than what the original version was going to go for in China anyway. Mm-hmm. But well, you could still buy that one if you like. You I could, guess. yeah. It's a, it, the so the Chinese one is gold. Mm-hmm. The American one, I think, is like a space gray, right. Silver kind of look to it. Yeah, yeah. So I did grab one of these for myself too, and that's that's why I had to alert you to to buy one because uh, there was a limit of one per customer, so mm-hmm. I couldn't order two of them. So we had to do separate orders on this one. I don't think we. I don't know how much was your. Or- how much was your shipping, though? Do you remember? Five dollars. Okay. Some kind of. And All right. Then, and then tax too. So it ended up adding. It was ended up being more than I wanted to spend. <laughs> well, sure. I. I it was. It, we could have combined the order to save some money on shipping and uh-huh. stuff, but because of yeah. the limit of one, then we couldn't do that. But I don't know if it would have been that much because I think they just they just add more shipping for the like the yeah. more objects you add, the more it's, stuff it's is five in, five in your cart. It's five for shipping per item. Yeah. It, it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Because I ordered something else as well from, from Hasbro. Yeah. Because uh, they had another item that I was super interested in. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, you in your whole life for this one. Well, some years, perhaps. Okay. They, had a, they, had, they brought back a classic toy line 
from the seventies that I have, you know, I've seen some updates to it, but basically this has been gone from, from American stores for since, since the early eighties. And I'm talking about the Micronauts. The Micronauts were a toy line that were sold in the U S by Mego, an old toy company that sold a lot of other popular toys back then, but they had licensed, uh, these toys from Takara in Japan, which were sold in Japan as Microman or Microman. Similar story to how Transformers got started. Yeah, definitely. And there's definitely a connection between Microman and what became the Transformers in the U.S. And so for San Diego Comic-Con, Hasbro did a special set, basically a reissue of three of the classic Micronauts figures. They actually had access to the original molds in Japan. Takara still had some in the factory. It was in some guy's be- oh, fact, I was going to. It was in some guy's bedroom. Or no, something. no, I think it was in a warehouse. Okay. And they were able to salvage uh, some of these things because the thing about Micronauts is they have a lot of different components to them, different parts that are exchange, you know, interchangeable. You could remove parts and mix them with other toys to combine and create other things. Yeah. So I mean, these just to describe if you've ever seen one before, they look like. A G.I. Joe, like, three and a half, quarter and quarter inch figure. Three and three quarter inch scale. And uh, one of the, to me, one of the key, uh, like, the key aspects of these figures were that they had chrome heads. Mm-hmm. So they all look like androids to me. Like <laughs> yeah, Futuristic sort of androids. And a lot of them have translucent parts on them, too. Right. That combination is yeah. magical to me. Like, chrome, chrome heads or chrome body parts and also translucent parts. Mm-hmm. So so that's a, a little th- creepy looking. <laughs> well, it's a, they're very cold and detached looking, yeah. <laughs> but that also gives them this sort of, um, you know, inter- interstellar appeal. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what the story is. I mean, it dep- there's so many different ways to look at the lore of these toys. There isn't really... Because uh, there was whatever excuses, ta- you know, Amigo at the time came up with. And then they licensed the property to Marvel Comics, which further expanded it and added a lot of their own stuff to it. And then obviously there was the original Microman toys and whatever stories they came up with, which I don't know if any of that stuff was brought over. I I don't think so. (laughs) So uh, to me, these are just awesome toys to look at. And I don't really, I don't really care about the lore that much. I don't really care about the storyline to a great degree, but they did a really good job of recreating the classic look on, on this line. Some stuff had to be changed. Uh, a lot of the old, some of these old figures were die-cast uh, figures in the original. They didn't do that this time. They, obviously, these are plastic molds. It would just would have been too expensive to make to make die-cast figures. Um, they changed some other minor things. You know, some things they they couldn't. They actually the the molds for some parts on the original figures were not available for this. So they actually had to mix and match some of the more modern. Microman stuff, and they kind of created like a unique set. So these are three figures. Um, they call these Galactic Warrior, <laughs> Orbital Defender, which was originally Galactic Defender on the original toys, but they changed the name on this one because I guess they didn't want two characters with Galactic in the name. They didn't want Galactic Warrior and Galactic Defender. They just changed one of them. And they also had Theroid in his time chamber, which is one of my favorites because he's got his chest emblem is made of glow in the dark plastic and you can actually nice. charge it up and he actually does glow in the dark. 
So I, I thought these guys were called like Lenny, Bruce, and <laughs> was that just like if European you, names or something? If you look at the Japanese Microman figures, they have like regular, ordinary, like everyday it's like Engl- Bob English names. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange how some of these guys are named, but I don't pay attention to that. Okay. I really, I really don't. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, you know, yeah, they might be like Frank and Keith and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, like what? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Are these guys humans? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> At any rate, I thought that was a... That, to me, this was like well, a must-buy. And the packaging was really nice because they recreated the artwork from the... They got the, one of the original artists that, that worked on the Mego packaging uh, by the name of Ken Kelly. He did a lot of the later stuff. A lot of stuff came out in Wave 3 and 4. He did like a lot of the aliens, the artwork on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely nailed the look. <laughs> on this so so if you look at the box it actually has a different uh, art print on each side of the box for each of the different characters mm-hmm. that are uh, included in the set and this set was also thirty four ninety nine. I thought that was okay for three action figures but the fact that you know they brought back these classic designs for me that's that was the selling point <laughs> now I hope this set did well for Hasbro I hope uh, they got the reaction they were expecting so that they do new figures in the line. That would be great if they bring it back as a brand, as a, as like a, an active toy line. They said anything going forward is probably going to be original designs. They're not going to continue to recreate the classic ones. So I'm going to wait and see what they come up with. So this was the last that you can get of these original style molds, I guess. Right. Right. Whatever. I think it's as of, as of today, I think it was still available on Hasbro toy shop. So if anybody's a fan that's, of Micronauts, that's they not can... a good sign. Well, uh, considering the sound waves sold sound, down like five minutes, you know how rabbit Transformers fans are. So I'm checking right now; it is still in stock uh-huh. as of this recording. Still limited one, all right. Still limited one. I would almost be tempted to order another one, even though you you offered to buy an extra one in case I wanted an extra one. But I was yeah. like, I was trying to be good. I was trying to say like, all right, I'm just going to get one. I'm not going to hoard it. <laughs> I'm going to let everyone get a chance to buy it. They're pretty cool looking. I got to say, I, I'm I could really appreciate it more as an adult than I did as a frightened child. A <laughs> frightened child. <laughs> well, hopefully they don't creep you out anymore. Yet. Until they start moving. I do um, want to mention one more thing that they had for sale. Yeah, what's that? That I thought was pretty cool, even though I didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you bought it either. This was the G.I. Joe and Transformers crossover mm-hmm. set that they offered. Yeah. And the reason I didn't go for it was because it was ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's and, why I didn't go for it either. And it's two fairly large vehicles, so it would have been... A big box. big box to keep it in. Uh, but this was basically two G.I. Joe vehicles that were painted to look like Transformers characters. That were a close match, at least. to At least one of them, anyway. So it was the, the Rattler, like, designed to look like Powerglide, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like in a red deco. And also uh, a his tank that was styled to look like Soundwave. Yeah. And it also came with two matching G.I. Joe figures. Yeah, well, that here's my problem. I probably would have bought this, and this is why I didn't. Because the Power, the power Glide character mm. in the cartoon had this one episode where... He there was this girl and she was like this spoiled rich girl. Right. And it's one of my favorite episodes. And she became attracted to Paraglide like, <laughs> in this weird way. And that's one of the beauties about this cartoon. So if she, they made the figure her to come with 
this power glide G.I. Joe thing, mm-hmm. I would have been sold in a second. I would have been like, definitely have to have this because I love that character in that episode. Yeah. And um, they didn't do that. And then also with the, the Soundwave vehicle, it comes with like Zartan, I think. Mm-hmm. And it sort of doesn't make sense. It just seemed like they just slapped those figures into the... It's just kind of arbitrary. Yeah. No, no, like they tried and I don't know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's too bad. That was a, a missed opportunity for... For them to make something cool. They never made a figure of that character. No, they never Standalone, did. right? Of that girl? No. You're going to have to do a custom version. But but it's funny because they made a to- another toy of Paraglide. And that version of the toy, you can open up his chest and you see the heart in his chest. Because mm. he falls in love with the girl uh-huh. in the cartoon. So they did, in one of the figures in, at some point a couple of years ago, they did incorporate that into the toy. Mm-hmm. But actually, I own. They did these crossover sets now for a couple of years, for for a Comic Con, and I have one from a couple of years ago where it's the GI Joe Sky Striker, mm-hmm. and they recolored it to look like Starscream. Mm. So I have that one, and it's in this huge box that looks like a giant comic book. Uh huh. So I have to sell that thing. I think <laughs> <laughs> too much. Huh? I don't know why I have that. Yeah, it's just it, it seemed like a great idea at the time, but yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about this before, about how sometimes you're not sure about some of these purchases, but you can't really spend time thinking about it. You have to get it while it's available. Mm-hmm. And as you say, if you decide you don't want it, you could always pass it on, but get it while you can, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I wish I... F- had the willpower to actually sell some of the stuff I've bought because I I buy things under that same premise and then I just end up with a ton of clutter in my in my storage space so well you've seen mine I'm just as cluttered as you are I bet maybe not yeah well I I definitely by now have decided to part with a few things but it's just a, a process to get that out of the way well, why start now? Might as well pick up another set of those Micronauts. <laughs> Micronauts are special. I'm making an exception in those cases. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, do you think we have some feedback we can close the show I, with? I have one I'll talk about. Yeah. Okay. There was one from Greg Paulander from the SNES podcast. Mm-hmm. He brought up, in response to the last episode, uh, or it have been two episodes ago, I'm not sure, about some of the Pac-Man games I was playing. Mm-hmm says, I wouldn't mind hearing you talk about some of the odd Pac-Man games, such as uh, Pac-Man 2, Pac-Mania, some of the weird hacks out there, and the popular hack of Pac-Man that, that added the U.S. theme to the game and, and the Coke as one of the power-ups. So I think he was referring to Pac-Man Plus. Mm-hmm. And, I remember that. Uh, yeah, so that is a really good comment, and I will probably... It was funny, because when I was playing, when I talked about those games, I was checking out some of the other games on there. I didn't put that much time into them, because I figured no one would want to hear about these hacks. Mm-hmm. It was like, I was thinking the exact opposite. I'm like, eh, like why, who's going to want to hear about some weird Pac-Man thing, you know? Um, but I'll, I'll revisit that, yeah, because I, I do want to check out some of those hacks, and I'm curious if anyone can tell me, can point me in the right direction... Uh, some of the names of the hacks because my main library is like 10,000 games or something (laughs) and to go through every because sometimes they're not called Pac-Man you know it's called something else and it might not be categorized Mm -hmm. under the the little like Pac-Man bootleg tree you know sort of thing I don't know how it's displayed on main but so I may not be able to find them all 
But I did find a few. I just I did see a couple. And Pac-Man Plus is actually... Uh, it is one of my favorites because it is so bizarre. I remember... I, I mentioned it on Facebook, but when I was little, we used to go to this roller rink in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they had a... The first time I went in there, I saw Pac-Man Plus, And I said, oh, whoa, like, what is this? Like a new Pac-Man game. And this was before I think this Pac-Man. And... I went up to it. And I was like, "What? What is going on here?" Like the ghosts had flags on their heads, and they would flash. Like it, I remember thinking, "Like, is this a real Pac-Man game, or is it like someone?" Like, I mean, back then we didn't know about bootlegs or anything. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I was only like six years, eight years old or something. And uh, I just remember playing it, and it played weird, and it was like different mazes, and all that's all I cared about. So I thought it was really cool. So, and before Mame was officially available. That game always stuck out in my mind because I never saw it on any of the compilations that mm-hmm. were released, like right. the Namco compilations. So I always wonder, like, what's the history of this game? I, I still don't know, actually. So I'm going to look into that. Uh, I think I remember you playing this at CGE, right? Wasn't it, didn't they have the CGE They did have that, one? yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was the only machine that I remember ever seeing, at least in recent it's, times. It's, I don't think it's super common, but... I saw Willie mention that he knew he actually played it, so he must have seen an arcade cabinet somewhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, and, and then uh, as far as Pac-Man on... Pac-Man 2 on SNES, I won't be talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but Remember, I, I try to talk about games that I like. Uh-huh. And that may not be one of you don't be You don't want to be too negative. I don't want to be too negative. I... I'm probably already too negative as it is on this podcast. <laughs> why, why bring it down even to a lower level? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that game has some fans. Who knows? Apparently it does because I've Retronauts did a, a whole like micro episode about it and how good it is. So hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. I see. All right. Great. So I guess we'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. I guess visit us on Facebook. Right. If you have some, if you're looking for something to do, you can drop it on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Give us a comment on today's show or any other past shows. And uh, also, if Facebook is not in your realm of uh, visibility, <laughs> you could also send us an email at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Also visit the Retro Junkies for more gaming podcasts. And if there's nothing else, let's wrap it up. See you later.